So if you could be here around nine, that would be great. Okay. Well, listen here. Hello, and welcome to 90 Day Fiance MK. I'm Mr. O, and today, Miss H and I will be discussing Season 7, Episode 4 of Happily Ever After. In this episode, Ed maturely asks Liz to carry his stuff in the car, Angela starts in with her screaming at Michael again, Bilal tries to run out the clock on Shida's baby, Kimberly realizes she might not be getting the sister-wife situation she asked for, Jenny and Samit debate working on their honeymoon, and Libby gives us her sexiest rendition of Mary Had a Little Lamb. As always, we'll end with our Students of the Week, Class Dunces, and Life Lessons. If you like what you hear, please give us a 5-star rating and subscribe. And if you also watch Love After Lockup, you should listen to our other channel, Love After Lockup MK, where we'll be covering the new season of Life After Lockup. Alright, thanks for listening, stay safe, and enjoy! Mr. O. Hello, Miss H. How are you today? I'm doing not pretty good, not too bad. I had, you <laughs> okay. know, pretty good, not too bad. It's starting to get busy. It's football season now, so I have that, and yeah. I so love fall events. To me, it's like one of the funner times of the year. Oh, sure. I went to like I went to a Main Street Music Festival last right. weekend. I got the Renaissance Festival coming up. Lots of things in the yeah. fall. Yeah, Oktoberfest. Like mm-hmm. I'm excited for it. I just don't know how I feel about the weather. That's my only thing. <laughs> I, yeah. I, October is pretty, is is a top tier month here for weather because it finally yeah. gets dry and like cool enough to actually do stuff outside. You can get hoodie weather. Hoodie weather is nice. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. All right, uh, so let's jump into, uh, let's have, oh, let me just get them out of the way, Libby and Andre. So <laughs> Libby is meeting with a voice coach, Roxy, to take her singing to the next level. This is not her first vocal coach. She said she started singing when she was 15. Libby feels like her family was never supportive, and if anything, she felt ridiculed since she was the only one in the family who had this talent. Roxy has no reaction when Libby says she wants to sing nursery rhymes on YouTube. Her voice coach says that the market is saturated from what she can see as a mom. Libby sings a very breathy, but it's a good, version of Mary Had a Little Lamb. Roxy thinks she has talent, but could use more practice. Libby leaves her lesson super happy and motivated. Roxy then gives her real talk and basically says that she's going to need a lot more practice, a lot more lessons, and tries to prepare her for the long road ahead. Later, Andre's dad comes for a visit from Moldova and they go to get ice cream. Libby is now able to understand Moldovan, so Andre and his dad speak in Moldovan. They catch up on Libby's family drama, and Andre brings up Libby's mom, comparing him to Charlie, which also Andre's dad disagreed with. Libby talked to her mom earlier to call her out on her mom's denial of Charlie's drinking and how what she said was wrong. Libby encouraged her mom to try and make things right with Andre. Andre's dad says in a community, when someone has a problem, it takes the village to help. That was the advice he gave. Uh, He also just kind of threw in that overall, he's very impressed with the success Andre has created for himself in America. Later, Libby is practicing her singing and Andre is being super supportive. He's on his way up to meet uh, with Pam, Libby's mom. Libby begs him to remember that it's her mom and to really try to find common ground. Libby hopes that Pam is understanding of the fact that they don't want a relationship with Charlie right now. Pam meets up with Andre and opens by saying that she felt Andre was disrespectful to her at the housewarming party. And Andre says that it was simply because he didn't feel like it was fair of her to compare him to Charlie. 
She then invites their whole family to her birthday party, and Andre refuses since he knows Charlie will be there. And Pam asks for a ceasefire for at least her birthday. He shakes his head no. He doesn't trust the drama, especially in front of his daughter, Ellie. Andre says until Charlie can get help, he's not even going to try have a relationship. Pam says if he has an issue, he needs to confront Charlie himself. Pam thinks that Andre is trying to cut off the family from Libby, so she calls him a coward. Andre thinks that Pam just cares about putting out the image of a happy family. So nothing really is resolved. Okay, do you think that uh, Andre could just make nice and, you know, go to this birthday for a couple hours and, you know, just, you know, do what Pam says? Or do you agree with him that this is not a smart move? So could he? Yes. Should he? No, I'm 100% on his side. Yeah, I agree. If if he had to, for whatever reasons, I'm sure they could make it happen. They should not have to make it happen. It's like it. He's he's 100 percent right. This person is horrible um, right now. He's Mm. I do not want to be around him. I do not expose my family to him. If you're going to insist that he's going to be there, I will not like. And that's the only thing I can do about that situation is not be there because I'm not going to expose my family to it. Like and that's totally reasonable. It's 100 percent reasonable based on what we've seen, how we've seen this man act before and how we've seen this man treat his family like it's. He's totally within what he wants. And he was like, and he even said it, the way he said it was calm and collected. He was fine. Sure. Yeah. I just don't think Pam, she just didn't like not getting her way. Right. Yes. She thought she would be able to talk him into it and that, okay, fine. You know, because oh, yeah. she's not trying to resolve the bigger picture. Really, at the end of the day, she just wants people to be able to go to her birthday party. Oh, no, no, no. She was very much like, can't you just put a Band-Aid on this gushing wound just right. for a couple hours so my birthday doesn't have blood all over it? Like, that's what right. she was doing. Like, yeah, definitely. So, I don't know. I just, it's interesting because we kind of see a preview for next week that, you know, the sisters aren't sure whether or not to go as well because they don't know whether to kind of make a stand and they're kind of leaning towards, you know, having, uh, you know, feeling guilty about not going to be there for their mom. And so it really does make Libby look like the odd person out for really being the only one who's going to stand her ground. And really, I mean, just the way this is playing out it really does make it seem like it's Andre, the one that's making the decision here. Right, which makes it easier for Andre to make the decision because Pam, Pam's not his mom and she doesn't have right, the same exactly. guilt tripping power over him that she that she has on everybody else. That's all it is. Yep. She's guilt tripping everybody. I mean, she tried. She even went for the biggest tool in his arsenal. They were like, oh, here's a big like European chauvinistic manly man. I'm going to call him a coward. Like right. that was the that was the biggest thing she could reach for and he was like that doesn't even make any sense like i don't understand how he's like i mean he was a little offended i'm not coward but like yeah i would have been like oh wow you're really reaching aren't you like you're really trying i don't because i don't i don't understand how it's the coward's way out like right do you want him to be brave for what for what end like to do something he doesn't want to do and have an end that you know it's like like you know being brave means to endure something for an end he doesn't even want the end it doesn't matter to him if charlie's part of his life and so it's weird it was a weird framing from her yeah definitely okay so going back to libby's voice lessons uh i don't know 
what did you think about her version of Mary Had a Little Lamb? Okay, so I think that her voice is fine, right? And I yes, do think with a little is. more work, it'll be better. But her voice is sure. fine. It, it, she does not have a bad voice. That is not no. the voice you sing fairy tales. In. You're singing nursery rhymes in. Oh, right. I'm just like, okay, that was a very breathy, sexy version was, of Mary yes, Had a I Little like, Lamb. Uh, <laughs> I mean, mine was like, I know that like you want to sing and you want to sing well. We don't have to like emote and empathize with Mary's lamb so much. So you don't need to get into the the desperation and agony that lamb has about being brought to school. But like, it was just it's a but to me that's the, that's the way it goes. And I think there's a you know developmental and pedagogical reason that nursery rhymes are still sold. They are those you're, there's there's being sung to people who are learning how to speak and also you know are just learning the rhythms and learning how music works and learning. So embellishing it doesn't work for them. They don't like it. Right. I don't think a baby, if you sang Mary had a little lamb like her and then Mary had a little lamb, just like as simply and as straightforwardly as you could, they're going to take the simple, straightforward one. Right. That's the one that makes more sense to them. Yeah, true. Right. It, it, you're right. It's more inviting to sing along to that kind of to the, right. sing, the 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 ones you're thinking of when you think of people singing nursery rhymes. And it was like. Right. Yeah, it just it, it was just a huge mismatch between like it was almost like somebody doing a joke, you know, like yeah. sing Mary had a little lamb, but sing it like Christina Aguilera. And you're like, OK, <laughs> let's go with it. I was thinking more like uh, Marilyn Monroe. Happy birthday, Mr. Oh, President. Yeah. But whatever it is, you know, in the next one, they're going to come up and be like, all right, now you sing, uh, you know, old McDonald had a farm, but sing it like Prince. Go for it. You know, like it's a game. (laughs) Right. But yeah, I mean, we'll see. I think Roxy was right. And I think they always they've been trying to pull up this singing fairy tales. Is I keep saying fairy tales. Singing nursery rhymes is a ridiculous idea that nobody would ever make money at. Whereas they kind of made it look like that at first. But then she was like. It seems pretty saturated. And I think that is their bigger obstacle than no one wants to listen to nursery rhyme songs. It's like actually lots of people do. But yeah. 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 All right. So um, let me go to let me go to Jenny and Samit. So now that Samit has finally told his parents it's time to get out of town. So he and Jenny are pecking up to go on their honeymoon road trip. They're heading to Arisakesh near the Himalayas, and they're both really excited. But Samit wants to get there, you know, earlier rather than later because he doesn't want to have to drive in the dark, which is probably a good idea because we see him trying to drive later and he needs to stay in the daylight. (laughs) So they're still stuck in that old house for visa reasons. And on the way out, they talk about the activities that are going to be available there. There's hiking, river rafting, zip lining. But Jenny seems like she's looking for more like something like a beach resort where they can just be relaxed and be husband and wife. So obviously, the drama was his family is casting a shadow over this whole thing. And Jenny is expecting that it's going to take Submit a while to adjust to their rejection. So they get to the hotel for the honeymoon. And Jenny is thrilled that it was like beautiful scenery coming in. The hotel looks nice. And for some reason, after they check in, the production asks the hotel guy what he thinks about the relationship. And mm-hmm. he's just like, well, I don't know. She seemed kind of old. My family wouldn't accept it. <laughs> so it, yeah. the room is set up really nice. There's like these towel swans and on the bed and flower petals everywhere. And the beds and the bath is already drawn. And Jenny is really thrilled and ready for honeymoon time. 
They take turns taking like sexy pictures on the decorated bed with roses and Summit kills the mood by starting a conversation about getting a job. Like that's, that's where he went. So he wants to get back into business with his friend Rohit and into what he says, the food business. So he knows that Jenny is retired, but he's still in his 30s. So it makes sense for him to work even if Jenny is retired. So his plan is to work six days a week. So Jenny, not really a fan of this because she didn't like retire and move to India and marry him just so she could sit alone for six days while he's working uh, all the time. Okay, so who, which one, let's put it this way, which one of the two of them, I don't know, who's going to more get their way in the honeymoon? Because it seems like he wants adventure and she's just like, I want a drink in one hand and like, you know, and I don't think that's going to, I don't think she's going to get that. Yeah, I don't know. I just feel like this is where we're going to start to see how their really different interests are going to, Mm -hmm. I don't want to say drive them apart, but it's going to, you know, definitely be a barrier for them. Because, I mean, it starts off with like, oh, you know, how you kind of want to spend your free time. Clearly, Jenny just wants to sit on the couch during her free time. Samit wants to do something active on his free time, right? Mm-hmm. Which is fine. You have couples that, you know, kind of compromise, maybe don't do everything together. I mean, I think Jenny's been a pretty good sport up to now. We saw her on that roller skating day, you know. Oh, sure. Like she, mm-hmm. They do stuff, you know. So I do think in some ways that she will end up, you know, doing some active things. I think they'll, I think that in that way they're compromised. But what I really thought about where things are not going to be so aligned is just where they are in life. Like they talked about Mm -hmm. Jenny is retired. She doesn't want to work and she shouldn't like feel like she has to. She's of retirement age. So more power to you. You've put in however many many years of work, like you deserve a break. But Summit isn't there yet. Yeah. And so it's just like, For her to expect that he is just going to live a retired life when they're very clearly in two different phases of their life is just unrealistic. Right. And it does sound incredibly difficult to spend your retirement years with somebody who's not retired. Right. And who is still has to work all the time. And so so now you're still filling. You just have all this time in the middle you fill. Right. Where it's like. I feel like my, my, my parents are both, you know, recently-ish retired. And this is the first year they're both, like, able to go off. And they're doing, like, all kinds of stuff together. They're just like, mm-hmm. hey, you want to go to Philadelphia for the day? It's like, all right, let's go to Philadelphia sure, for the day, not? right? Yeah. And they just up and do it, right? And that's that's something that, that that's kind of what they're enjoying about the retired life. And that seems like, you know, that, that spontaneity of, like, we can do whatever we want. Every right. day is, like my dad always says, every night's Friday and every, every morning's Saturday. Yeah. Right? And... It, 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 it's it, it's great, but it wouldn't be great if like every every day is Saturday, but my partner works every Saturday, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's not yeah. the same thing. And yeah, they just are in very different places of our life. And as things go on in terms of the activity, like you know, at some point, not in the not too distant future, Jenny's not going to be able to. She's not going to be able to do it. Yeah, right. exactly. She's going to have more physical limitations, and I mean, it doesn't even need to be like her inability to do things, but I mean. You know, just maybe even your sight and depth perception prevents you from doing the kinds of activities that you want to do, you know? So, I mean, really can be anything. Mm-hmm. 
Oh yeah, there's there's a lot of things that happen as 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 you get older, or just as time goes on. Because I mean, it could yeah. be something for him too. But yeah, it's just I don't know why he brought it up now though. It seems like there's a nice bath drawn for you. You know, they got the bed and they take the rose pictures. It seems like usually that's when they're like, all right, production, why don't you uh, head on out of here? Instead, he was like, before we do that, let's talk about me getting a job and leaving the house all the time. Mm. Well, I think the reason why is because there's somewhat a sense of urgency considering he said that he's trying to start work like the day they get back from this honeymoon. Yeah. I I mean, I think it should just wait till after the, you know, first time you hook up on the honeymoon. Like, let's do that first. Do you really (laughs) think that's happening? I don't know. I assume they're going to do it at least once in the honeymoon. Yes. Well, you know, who knows? (laughs) Maybe. All right. Uh, Okay. Um, Let's move on to another uh, May-December relationship, Angela and Michael. We get a Angela is the best Meemaw clip where she's teaching London how to ride a bike. Angela, of course, brings up Michael, and she tells us that the grandbabies seem more excited about Michael coming over than her these days. Angela tells them that Michael is trying to aggravate Meemaw, and London says, oh no, that's not going to work. It's actually Michael's birthday, and Angela is reaching out to him because she feels like she needs to try and fix things, since her lawyer told her that his visa could be approved any day now, and that means he could come to the States without her approval. Angela very flatly wishes him a happy birthday, and Michael tells her he has done nothing today because he has no money. He's trying to guilt trip her. He then brings up that he asked for money, but she refused. She then starts yelling at him that he's an idiot. Angela says she's been funding his life for the last four years, and it's always been enough. So why is he just now trying to shake her down for $5,000 by trying to threaten her with an Instagram account? She thinks it's really shady, and she starts yelling at him. And Michael thinks she wants to just control everything, and he just wants to have a social media and have a say in their marriage. He refuses to take his Instagram down, so Angela hangs up on him. Angela describes Michael as a social media whore and says that his feed is full of flirtatious comments from other women. Michael calls her back because he wants an update on the visa, which upsets Angela even more because it seems that he really only cares about the visa. She hangs up on him again. Angela, Skyla, and all the grandbabies later go to a buffet, and Angela is trying to make healthy food choices and encourages the grandbabies to do the same. When Angela suggests to Sid to substitute cucumber for ice cream, Sid is just not having it. Skyla asks why she's going to great lengths to keep all this up, and Angela says it's because she's trying to get Michael to take notice of how sexy she is. She then updates Skyla on Michael's Instagram drama, and Skyla points out that Angela also talks to other men on social media and brings up her TikTok duets with Billy, the stripper. Angela tries to play it off like it's about her giving him support for his kidney failure, which, by the way, is the first we've Mm. ever heard of, Mm -hmm. especially since she was a former caretaker. Skylar thinks that Angela is just playing games with Michael and she needs to just change men. She thinks that Michael is just using her to get to America and Angela is also getting played. Angela says she needs to go over and uh, see if it's all worth it. And Skylar just rolls her eyes. All right, so do you think that Angela going to Nigeria is the best course of action here? No, the best course of action is they break up. Like, that's yeah. always been the best course of action, and they've never taken it, ever. Um, so, no, 
He's, it, we, we already know where this is going to go. We're, we're again, we're keep checking off the Angela boxes every time. Right. Angela goes to Nigeria. Angela freaks out at somebody that's defending Michael. Angela does something violent, semi-violent. Like we're getting there. Right. We're getting there. Like we're getting the boxes. Right. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I'm sure the goofballs will somehow make an appearance. Yep. yep. One way or the other. Yeah, uh, the mom, one of that that sister that offended her last time, she'll show up. I'm sure. So yeah, they all we, we, we could get get the gang back together. Oh yeah, uh, there'll be talk of the babies. Oh yeah, you're gonna give me babies. That's right. Yeah. right, right. Or are you gonna Something be able to give egg. him babies? Yeah, her lone egg. That lone egg was like four years ago. That that having is definitely yeah. The egg is done. <laughs> that's, yeah. That's well, gone. now that we're on to Skyla's egg. <laughs> I don't know. It just she's just so infuriating and like petulant and annoying like because mm-hmm. she like uh, the one the one the thing that got me is she's, she's yelling at michael and then she we see in the interview her like crying and being like i don't i don't know i didn't do anything to deserve to get treated like this and i'm like how about the way you treated him like literally right now how about you wishing right. him a happy birthday flatly and then screaming at him for his birthday that right. might be a reason somebody might treat you like that let's a little bit of introspection angela like yeah I mean, I understand her frustration, though, because it definitely was his way of guilt tripping her without explicitly saying, like, you know, that she doesn't give him money or enough money. He's like, I couldn't do anything today because I have no money. And it's just like, well, that's also an open door to why are you trying to extort her for like five thousand dollars? And it is. And there's like I'm not saying Michael's doing the right thing. Oh, no. Like neither of them are. But she just she keeps getting like ridiculously unhinged at him. And don't remember the reason Mm. he doesn't have money and the reason he's shaking her down is because she won't let him earn his own money. Oh, yes, I did forget about that. So, right. So she doesn't want him to have a job because she wants him fully available to her anytime she wants to talk to him. Yes. And so having a job was not conducive to the well, I mean, it's not that she's up in the middle of the night, but. With the time difference, he's up in the middle of the night having to be on phone calls with her to keep her happy. And so that in itself was a full time night job. Right. And so, I mean, so he could say he was shaking it down, but it's like, but that's she's cut him off from any any other way of getting money. And and so like it. And so she can't then say, well, he's shaking me down. Like if he wants more money, like, if I want more money, I can get more work. Right. He yeah. can't do well, that. Well, at this point, he should just get another job because it doesn't sound like these late night phone calls are preventing him from getting a job. Not anymore. So Not right now. How, yeah. Yeah. How could Angela even know if he had a job with the frequency of communication they seem to be having well, right she'd now? She'd probably find out on Instagram because he's a oh, social gosh. media whore. And that's the other thing, too. She's such a hypocrite when it comes to literally right. everything she ever tests, like everything she ever does. And even Skyla's pointing it out to her being like. Oh, really? He's the he's the whore. You're the one dancing with like and flirting with the other guy openly on TikTok. And he's right. the one that's a social media whore. OK, I see how it is. Yeah. Yeah. Bless Skyla. She's always trying to be respectful of mama, but at the same time trying to point out how mama ain't right. Oh, I mean, though, Skyla is definitely a you know, I can I can talk about mama, but you better keep your mouth shut. Right. right. <laughs> everybody else. Yeah. Like we've definitely had that. But I don't know. It's just. Ugh. And then the other thing that drove me nuts, she was teaching that poor kid to ride her bike on the grass. Oh, it's so gosh, much harder. I know. That's so difficult, it's right? It's so hard to ride on the start on the grass. It's like you're just learning yeah. to find her a stretch of road or something. 
Aww, I'm sure they have plenty yeah. of empty stretches of roads in Hazelhurst, Georgia. <laughs> All right. So moving on, let's get, I'll do, I'll do Kim and Usman. So oh, we're continuing this Kim and Usman conversation about the second wife, which Kim, you know, always goes overboard and is like, I, which I am totally okay with. I'm totally fine with as long as she doesn't have to meet her and can just pretend that the other wife doesn't exist. So she's being very stubborn about it. So she wants to continue. I don't know. She's like, well, we'll talk about this later. But because they're about to meet a friend with Usman, but it doesn't make any sense that she wants to talk about it later because they're only meeting with this friend because he has multiple wives. So I was a little confused about that. But anyway, things don't seem to be going very well because Kim is very frustrated and dismissive about her like, okay, fine. So then um, Kaiburu shows up and they tell him the situation. So uh, that's the friend, by the way. Kibiru, I think it was. Was it Kibiru? Whatever. Anyway, he tells her that he doesn't have, she, does, she doesn't have to be afraid of anything. It's normal. It works out all the time. But he does tell her a lot of things after that that she really doesn't want to hear about the other wife. So she, again, she's really only okay with a situation where she has primary control of all the relationships. And the other wife is like a very, very distant second. But when talking about like um, how it has to work, Kaiburu is very insistent. No, all the wives must be treated equally. Everyone has to be on the same page. If you like one better, you have to pretend like you don't and treat everybody the same. So she insists that this is different than what Usman has told her in the past about how it would work, how in her uh, picture of it, the first wife gets all the love. Um, but the guys clarify and say, no, 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 the first wife gets all the respect. And Kim doesn't care about the respect. So she really wants a situation where the other wife sounds like, like a baby factory. And if she had known he's supposed to actually care about this baby factory, she never would have agreed or come to Nigeria. So uh, Kibiru tells him that they ha she has nine children. And if Usman is going to pull that off, then, you know, we really would need to have is we got to have like three or four wives. And then we can get those 10 kids out in like three years or so. So... Kim then asks about the living situation and they say again what she doesn't want to hear that it doesn't really work unless the wives know each other and like each other and are friends with each other. So now she's even more frustrated and Usman starts to doubt whether she was ever really okay with the second wife situation. So things devolve to the point where she knocks a drink into his lap and storms off. So Usman wipes the milkshake off of himself as Kim paces around and starts yelling at the producers about how disrespectful he is being and how she doesn't have to meet this other wife. And he says that, you know, it's better to know this now about how things are going to be before it's too late. So he's embarrassed that in front of his friends, she's not being the, you know, what we hear the African way, the 100% submissive to him. He says that any plan that gets in the way of him not having children is a non-starter. So he goes to track her down and, you know, says things like, I don't know, this might end up with her leaving and going back to the States without him. So they first fight over whether they should even talk right now, but then they end up in the same car and he speeds off and they bicker for a while and then she just stops talking to him and then she goes from talking to him to yelling at him for lying and interrupting and she's really upset that he doesn't seem to think he has anything to apologize for. So later the fight continues into the hotel room and Usman declares that she's just being jealous about the second wife now that it's becoming more of a reality. So she insists that she does everything to adapt to his culture and he does nothing to adapt to hers, but he counters and says, what are you talking about? We don't have premarital sex in my culture and I've done that with you. So she 
again, threatens she's going home and leaves the room and he sits for a while and then follows her. And sounds like we're going to continue this next week. So um, what do you think? Is that a is are they legit? Is that a fair trade? You know, she takes the Nigerian customs of second wives and 100 percent submission and blah, blah, blah. While he accepts the American tradition of getting to have sex with her. <laughs> Seems like a fair trade, um, yes? <laughs> yeah, no, probably not a fair trade. Uh, I don't know, unless in his eyes that means he's going straight to whatever his version of hell is. You know, right. like, I guess what's so, the punishment yeah. exactly for premarital sex? So if it's like a everlasting life in hell, then yeah, I guess that's fair question mark i don't know um but i mean honestly i am very happy that this uh episode has happened finally i feel like she did need a reality check like second wife yeah. is not some baby factory for you right um second wife actually also gets to be loved um yes. second wife right. gets to at least even if you are the favorite because your first wife at least there has to be an appearance like there's some kind of equality in the relationship and if she can't accept all those things also second wife gets to meet it. you she gets yeah. to meet first wife at some point yes Right. Like all of her ideas, she claims that it was Usman who gave her all. I don't think it was Usman who gave you her those ideas specifically. I think it was more so like her saying, well, uh, can we do it this way? And him being like, uh, yeah, sure. Why not? Like I could see it being more like that. Like, oh, uh, so I get all the love. Yeah, sure. Mm. Yes, you get all the love. Right. Just to kind of I don't know sell her on the idea in the first place right it just even that one's just so like this one's 50 years old thinks that she gets all the love like it's a limited resource to distribute and like she gets all of it and the other person has to be in a relationship where they get none and she's throwing drinks at people like what yeah come on you're like again you're 50 years old you've been around the block right, right. you know how things work and you know not to yeah. throw drinks at people yeah, but Usman to me is also somewhat infuriating in this like situation because it's like we saw Usman just let her walk off, right? And so you're just kind of like, good, this is how it should end. But then he like, you know, it's almost like something in his mind clicked and he's like, have to go after her. It's like, yeah. why? Just let her go. This is what was meant to happen. Yeah, you could say like at the very end, like he sits there and just sulks and it's like a timer in his head and like something just spoing and he just jumps up and runs out yeah. to catch her. And you're like, why? Just let her go. Like, what do you think has really changed? He's like talking about all these concerns he has. He was like, I knew she was jealous. I knew that this was, you know, that she would maybe react to this. Maybe this isn't the lifestyle for her. It's like, yeah, I all those things. Nothing has changed in the time you've been sitting in this chair, letting her walk out. Now you want to go right. after her. And now because you, you think that and you also said that anything that doesn't end with you having babies, having your own children is out of the question. Right? right. So if she's uncomfortable with that lifestyle, then it's out of the question. And you already said it was out of the question. Why are you chasing her? Right. It makes no sense to me. So, I mean, I'm not saying Kim. I'm not I'm not saying I'm team Kim. I'm not even saying I like Kim. But Usman, come on. It's like it's hard for me to have sympathy for him when he continues to go back. Right. He just yeah. needs to walk yeah. away. Right. Well, and then she does this because she knows he is going to come back. 
right? Every time she storms off, he chases her. Yeah. Right? It's Every time. It's so annoying. Yeah, that is the behavior that should not be positively reinforced. And it pisses me off that it is. Because mm-hmm. it's just like, yeah, she's going to behave like a child to everyone now. Because she thinks that that's what gets results. And it does, because if he goes back, he's going to give her more of what she wants. So right. she knows all I have to do is throw a hissy fit, literally throw a tantrum at him. Throw, throw a drink. Because this is him. not the first time she's thrown a drink. Not the first time she's thrown Throw a drink at him, throw a temper tantrum, walk away, and he'll come and give me what I want. Right. Yeah. That is, you're right. Not, not, not behavior that needs to be positively enforced. Right. Um, not that, and, like, and yeah, I feel bad. Like, ugh, I just hate everybody here. Like, I don't like the two guys talking about like the, you know, polygamy. Like, which is, I'm sure, I don't know the details of it, but I'm sure it's extremely misogynistic and problematic, mm-hmm. <laughs> the system that they are talking about. And I, I, I don't want that them to be coming across they're the ones who come across as the reasonable people the ones who are talking yeah. about how you must treat both of your wives with 100 percent submission but respect like oh my god right <laughs> yeah yeah i just uh i i mean is anyone surprised with this you know it's like yeah, no one is true. surprised that this is a situation that's happening we all have seen how jealous she is and what I think is also really annoying to me is it occurred to me that Usman is just like these other partners and mostly American partners that date, you know, someone like a foreign fiance, like I'm thinking of even Muhammad specifically. And just like, you know what they believe in, you know, their culture, and then you're shocked when they like live up to those things. Right. And so to me, it's like Usman too. It's like, he knows that she keeps on saying, I'm an American woman. I mean, for love, he married a baby girl, Lisa, who also claimed I'm an American woman, you know, and acted right. all abrasive and, you know, controlling. And it's like, then he's just like, yes, I'm going to marry an American and they're going to adapt to my culture and be submissive. It's like, in what world do you think that that's the end result? Well, then everybody tells him the same thing, too. Everybody tells him that's not going to happen. I mean, the thing right. that drives me crazy is his, I mean, his dishonesty. Like, he, mm. like, I don't deny that you're probably right. Kim probably came up with her ridiculous setup that everyone mm. knows couldn't possibly work of how this sec- like Mary was going. And he would, and I'm sure he was just like, okay, okay, okay. Knowing that when push came to shove, he's like, yeah, but at the last minute, I'm going to change it on her and do it the way I right. want to do it. Like, that was his yeah. plan all along. And now he comes in and goes like, well, what did you think? You said it, you said you were okay with this. And so he's manip- he's trying to manipulate her just as much. I'm confused what his end game is. I originally had thought, you know, back when he was on this show with baby girl Lisa, that he was trying to get a visa to come to America because he wanted to make it big his music career in America. Right. But it just, you know, from talking about the second wife, it doesn't even sound like he really wants to live in America. It sounds like he wants to continue living in Nigeria. And so it's just like, is what is the purpose of I don't, I don't understand his attraction to Kim then. Is it because he's trying to get a visa? Is it because he's genuinely attracted to her? It's just like, I, I don't get it. It's very confusing to me, his motivations in this relationship. I mean, I definitely think his end goal is to be the biggest music star in Africa. 
Like, mm-hmm. I think he really does care about that. Well, he doesn't want to hit it big in the States. He wants to be the biggest, the biggest thing in Africa. He calls himself King Africa, right? Mm-hmm. But I think he thinks that'll be easier to do if he has access to the, you know, uh, facilities and things and, and the resources that are in America, specifically in L.A. and stuff. And I just I think he just wants a green card so he can come and go as he pleases. Mm-hmm. Right. And then he can he still wants to have ties in Nigeria. He still wants to live in Nigeria, but he wants to be able to go and cut a record in L.A. And then come back to Nigeria and not have to worry about getting a visa or worry about just just do it. Just go back and forth and have his big music career because I don't know what he sees in Kim like at all. Like she yeah. treats him like crap. Right. right? She it, buys him stuff, I guess. Yeah, I guess um, she did buy him a PS5 and a, and a MacBook. So there is that. I don't know. But I and, it, all they, and then all they do is fight all the time. Like it doesn't yeah. it doesn't seem like a it doesn't seem like it's a rewarding relationship for anybody involved. Right. And if his end goal really is to have kids like she's not only someone who can't provide that to him. She's like literally a cock block. Yes. Yes. She's yes, standing in the way, even if it's right. a second wife situation that she does agree to. It's still mm-hmm. it's still going to be I, I believe it's probably going to be harder to find someone to agree to be your second wife than to just find somebody to have babies with at your own age like that. I'm going to yeah. go ahead on a limb and say that's probably a little bit harder to pull off, especially if you don't have that much money. <laughs> right. Right. So, yeah, I definitely don't understand their situation. Uh, Speaking of other situations that I don't really understand, uh, let's talk about Liz and Ed. So Liz is walking away from the photo shoot because she's just frustrated. She knew that this was going to happen, meaning that, you know, Ed was going to control over everything and she wasn't really going to get a lesson at all. She said it wasn't going to be more of wouldn't be more of a class and more like Ed doing his own thing with the model specifically. So that's why she thought that if the model was her friend, then maybe she would get the lesson she wanted. Meanwhile, Ed and Alex, the model, are going through the pictures and Alex is very impressed. Ed tells her about the drama uh, with Liz and saying there was a no neck picture. And Alex says she can see both sides. You know, she says, I can see how it doesn't look like I have a neck, but it's very clear that I'm hunched over. But at the end of the day, she says that she's just trying to stay out of it. She thinks that Ed should listen to his partner. Ed recognizes he probably hurt Liz's feelings by correcting her in front of her friend. He blames it on their zodiac signs. Ed says that he wants to apologize, but he also wants her to know that in photography, you never criticize in front of a client. Ed catches up to Liz and apologizes and then defends himself, saying, you know, he was in teacher mode. He says it's not personal. Ed thinks that Liz is acting immature. Liz says she doesn't want to be his assistant, and uh, but at the end of the day, she apologizes too. Liz says one of the reasons why they have broken up in the past is because Ed is controlling and he goes into what she refers to as dad mode. And as she puts it, who wants to sleep with dad? Liz says that maybe they shouldn't work together. He refuses to carry the equipment to the car because he says his back hurts and an annoyed Liz ends up carrying it for him. All right. So I don't know. Like, are you team Ed or team Liz in this situation? I mean, I think they're both being pretty shitty, but uh, at the end of the day, it, uh, Team Liz. Mm-hmm. Um, and and part of it was just like I don't. I think Liz got a better part of the argument. I think Ed knew that, 
because at yeah. the end, he, when he's out of arguments, he just goes, well, you're just being very immature. Like, and it's like, I don't yeah. know what you mean by she's being very immature. Like, I don't, you didn't have an example. You just pulled the I'm older than you card. And it's like, she just really bothers me when she's immature, which I think his definition of immature is made an argument that I can't refute. And that's immature. Yeah. And he can say that because she's younger or he feels he can say that. It's not like she's a baby, right? No, like she's younger than him, but she's plenty old enough to be, you know, grown ass woman. And especially because like he says, you're just being very immature. And then also walks away and says, I'm not carrying that. Like, <laughs> yeah, that was the part where it's like he definitely <laughs> lost me. It was just like, ew, what an asshole. You guys just had a fight and you're going to be like, I can't carry that. My back hurts. And then just like. That's the end of it. It's like, okay, well, what if she's going to be stubborn and not carry it? Yeah. I mean, I, I he didn't because it's not like he, he didn't even ask. He wasn't like, oh, my back hurt. My back is hurting. Could you carry that to the car? Yeah. It was never like, I'm not carrying that. You carry it. My back hurts. Like, oh, and that because that just seems like that is and he, especially when it came right after immature. Like that right. is literally what my children do. Like, can you pick up that sock? I'm not picking up that sock. I didn't put it there. Like, I don't do, want to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. And I mean, I think they agreed that she wasn't going to be his assistant, you know, but he's treating her like it. Yeah. And I, I yeah, it, it, it's, it's just funny that he said he was in teacher mode. And I was like, I he wasn't teaching her anything, right. though. I think she right. was right in that. Like if it was, yeah, a, a, a different teaching style. But I mean, it was like little things like that. Like he was like, well, I thought it was really unprofessional how she, uh, you know, you're not supposed to correct a photographer in front of their client. And I was like, oh, did you teach her that? Did you tell her that beforehand? Because that, how was she? She's never done this before. How was she supposed to know that's considered uh, uh, unprofessional behavior if you don't tell her, you know? Right. Like, so ugh, I don't know. And then he did the Zodiac sign thing. Oh, that one, that one made me mad. It's like I literally, uh, yeah. I literally had to look it up. I was like, "Is that even a bad match?" I have no idea what's supposed to be a good match and a bad match. Well, like, what did you come so up with? It's a bad match. It's a medium match. It's not a great well, match. I think the age difference makes them more of a mismatch than their zodiac well, signs. Okay, so then I looked. Of course, once I started looking that up, then I looked up me and my current partner. Worst match for each other, absolutely <laughs> in terms of signs. <laughs> And I was like, and we don't fight at all, so don't, don't play the signs. This is not right. Right. Well, I think the other thing that he was saying was that, you know, those two Zodiac signs specifically are very stubborn. And I was like, I feel like I know a lot of people who say that about almost every Zodiac sign. I, I, I literally, I was like literally getting, getting, getting into a little bit of a hole. It's like, what are, I don't even know what the signs are supposed to be. I swear there's 12 of them. 10 of them say loyal. I'm like, okay, right. well, like. Okay. So all the cheaters are these other two signs? <laughs> all these other two, yeah. Like, There's probably 11 that say they're stubborn. It's like, yes, okay. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. There's so many of them say they're stubborn. So many of them say they're loyal. And it's like, there's just like four words and we just mix them all together. And again, I look <laughs> at all of them. If I cover it up, if I cover up a Zodiac sign and read it, I'm like, that halfway describes me for literally all 12. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah, I just, it's, ugh, I don't know. They're both just, they're both just annoying. Like... Yeah, I definitely think it's one of those things where people use Zodiacs to um, make them feel like more confident about something that they already think. 
you know yes. what i'm saying so it's like yes. they already kind of think like oh we're incompatible and they read like oh you're incompatible it's like see the zodiac said that but if right. you like really you know felt you were compatible with someone and the zodiac said something different you just kind of disregard it yeah and, and, and yeah you definitely do that with the thing oh they're being really stubborn which is exactly what the zodiac says they are so right yeah there we go just further proof exactly right all right so Speaking of stubborn, let's go to Bilal yeah. and Shida. Oh, goodness. So first we see Shalal and Baida, Bilal. They're going shopping to get some uh, some poppin' decor for the house. So, you know, Bilal being the father knows that uh, he wants to make sure that she knows, you know, when we go here, we don't need anything. So you don't have to feel like you have to buy something. So they get to the shop and Bilal and her disagree over how much color they should include in the home. Shida thinking they need some, and Bilal is like, what's wrong with shades of gray? <laughs> so, not even shades of gray. He's like black and white. Everything's black and white. So, but he doesn't want to buy the $250 pillow or the $450 backgammon game. He even brings out a calculator to do some quick currency conversions just so he understands how, for, how many dollars in Trinidad $450 is in the States. Um, so, he also just, just so happens to come across a book about newlyweds that illustrates, uh, among other things, like how about spenders versus savers. and uh. So anyway, soon Shida gets distracted by the baby clothes and baby decor. And Bilal is like, moving along, please. Uh, and then, of course, that just gets into the argument about having babies right now. So she's only got 2.5 years, you know, until the weird baby clause comes up in the prenup. She says when she says turns 40, he owes her money. Um, he thinks that he... Uh, what did he say it, that he uh, duped her uh, she planned this serendipitous trip uh, to the furniture store just that she knew also had baby clothes just to get him talking about this. So he's very adamant that they won't have a baby this year because once you have a baby, your life stops. Oh, and also they're not getting along that well. So a baby probably isn't the best choice. So she's serious about it and wants to see a fertility specialist, which she thinks is dumb because they have yet to even try to have a baby. So how would they know that anything isn't working? But she wants she wants to do it her way because she's like, let's, let's just get it. Let's do this so we know if there are any challenges before they come up. So the next scene, Bilal is going to the food bank at the mosque to do some work and also to meet with his mother. But for us, it's an excuse for him to talk about this baby with his mom. Uh, oh, also in the interview, he compares, I just throw this, talking about the baby. He says, well, you know, it's like the plague that you want to avoid the plague as long as possible. It was weird. And then he... Then he Says it, I'm not trying to compare a baby to a plague, but he totally does. So anyway, with mom, he gives her the whole shopping story. Bilal feels like he's being tricked into having this child now. And mom is like, I thought it was in the prenup that you would wait. So he tells us in an interview that he feels like his first marriage struggled and ultimately failed in part because they didn't wait to have children like he wanted to. He says that he absolutely does not want a child right now. Uh, he asks mom how quickly her and his father had children. And the answer is a month. They got pregnant <laughs> one month after they got married. So mom asks whether Bilal is being real here or is he just hoping to string her along long enough that the baby issue disappears. But, you know, he says that Shida has baby, fe baby fever to the 10th power. So that's probably not going to work. Okay, so the... Does Bilal know how to math with this two and a half years? And he's like, if we wait two years to have a baby, he knows that 
the prenup thing is whatever they say, if they said it is, he owes her money when she turns 40 without a baby. Like, yeah. he knows he's going to have to pay that money, right? Right. Oh, I just, it really frustrates me because I I feel that he has an ulterior motive of stalling, right? Oh, it's, 100%. it's like, yeah, totally. I think he just doesn't i want kids i think he's not being honest about it he really doesn't want to have kids and he's like if i can just wait until like it's a little bit later we're gonna have problems because she's a little bit older and then it just won't happen i feel like that's like in his mind what's happening because i don't see how you could possibly like recognize that your partner is pushing 40 and not realize like Oh, this has to be well, a this is now or never situation. Yet. Yeah, right. It's definitely a different situation. Like the fact that he was just like, uh, about seeing the fertility specialist. It, and she's like, absolutely right. Like, we need to just know what our situation is right now. We don't even need to be trying. We just need to know what the situation is. Yeah. When she's pushing 40. Yeah. It's more likely than not. You're probably going to have problems. Right. So if I have dwindling eggs or, you know, follicles, then we're probably going to have to start trying now or let's get our eggs frozen so that way we can look to the future. Like it it isn't a smart move if this is what you really want to not see a fertility specialist now. And I think that he's really just trying to drag his feet because he doesn't want this. Oh, well, you know what the um, Reddit conspiracy theory is about what why he doesn't want to see the fertility specialist is. Have you heard that? Oh, he doesn't want to hear that he's unable to have kids. He has a vasectomy. Oh. And he knows the fertility specialist is going to find that out. And then. Wait, like, you think he has a vasectomy? No, that's the, the that's the conspiracy theory is that he has a he oh. has a vasectomy. And then and that's what that. is that's what he's trying to like string along. But if that was the case, that would invalidate the prenup completely, wouldn't it? Like, yeah, that would mean he lied to her about the conditions of the prenup. Right. Uh, I don't think it's that. It'd be like right? if you hid money, if you hide money, if you if, you, right. if they comes out, you send a prenup and they found out, oh, no, you had a whole other bank account with money in it. The prenup is invalidated. Sure. It's like, done. I understand that. But I'm just saying that I don't I don't think that that's a very tin hat conspiracy theory. I don't think I buy that's, that. It's also I don't even think he's that shitty to lie to her about that. Right. For yeah, that many that's years. more I'm of an saying, egg play, right? Right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. He literally did that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, and vasectomies are reversible, too. So, yeah, I mean, so it depends. It depends on how long ago you had it, whether the, yeah. the, the chances of success of the reversal. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. goes down as, 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 you know, the longer ago the vasectomy was. But, yeah, I mean, I think more realistically, I think you're right on the ball. He thinks... The longer he can delay it, the more likely it just becomes they try for a while, it doesn't happen, and then they move on. Right. Because what can you do at that point? So I think he's just trying to run out the clock by yes. stalling her. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. he knows it's going to be harder. And I, I, I think she kind of sees through that. I think she knows that's, that's what he's doing. Yeah. Um, it's just it's messed just, up. It is messed up. It, it's it's totally messed Yeah. It. This is not someone you should marry then. Like, if you are done with children and this is a person that is gung-ho about having children and it's not not something you want to do again, you can love that person a lot, but you have to let them go so they can have what they want. Right. Like, you have to. And it's just not fair to her. It makes me so upset. It's like, 
Okay, so she figures out your plan, right? Your plan of trying to stall and not have kids. And so then she finally breaks up with you. She's 38, 39 at this point. Yeah, you took away her chance. You uh, took yeah, away the chances she had, absolutely. super messed up. Right, it's not like something that you can just do indefinitely. Like this is a time-limited right. thing. And if you're going to use the 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 methodology of stalling for time, then you've taken that away from her like with anybody else. Yeah. Not, not just you. Yeah. So, uh, Bilal. I mean, it's hard to say he eventually wants a baby when he compared it to a plague. He said the baby was like a plague. And then earlier was like literally picked it up and was like, your life over. Your life is ending. It, it, this does not sound like a person who is open to having kids in the future. It doesn't, no. he doesn't sound like it at all. No, he definitely doesn't. And I mean, he did somewhat hint to why he feels that way. You know, he said that him and Shahida, his first wife, had kids very early on in their marriage. And I think he kind of sees that as kind of the death blow to their relationship. Like things just weren't the same after they had kids. And so Mm -hmm. I think he somewhat is fearful that the same thing will happen with him and Shida. But that's just not fair because... You know, their whole thing, it was enough for her to put it in the prenup. You know, it's like she really cares about this is what's important to her. So he should know she should know that. And I get it. And both of them are, are within their rights to think the way they think, too. Right. If he yeah, had. Sure. I, I'm I very much. I had kids relatively early. It's fantastic. I love my children. But that's a ride I've been on before. And I don't mm-hmm. necessarily want to start. The, I don't want to start that over again. And that's okay. You're allowed to feel that way. You just can't lie sure. to your fiance about it who want, who desperately wants children. Right. Yeah. And that's true. And I would say that you're kind of in the same situation, except for the you think that children are a plague. But I mean, <laughs> yes. yeah, you you and your ex-wife, like when you were first married, you had children pretty young and mm-hmm. you knew that that wasn't something you wanted. So when you were dating, I know when you were dating, starting to date, you were very upfront about the fact that you did not want to have kids in the future. Yes, that's true. Yeah, which yeah. is, but the, I feel like that's the honest way to do it. And I don't, that's why I don't like Bilal, because he's not being honest even with <laughs> right. himself or with anybody else. Right. And so, and you found a partner that, you know, wants the same things as you. And so you're not fooling anyone. You're not wasting anyone's time. You're not, exactly. you know, yep. jeopardizing their chance at having kids when that's what they really want. And, oh, Yeah. Yeah, exactly. All right. So who is your student of the week? Uh, my student of the week is Andre. Like, I think he yeah. handled Pamela very well. Like he said, right things. He didn't start yelling and pointing. He made all good points. And yeah, he was just he was good. I also went with Andre. And I'll add in this little thing that I was a little surprised to see. But like good for him was um, how like verbally supportive he was of Libby. You know, he's like, oh, you're singing so great. Even when, you know, I don't like the song. Like he was so supportive of her. It was like so nice to see, you know? Yeah, he was like, I always want to hear you singing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was really sweet. I went with Angela just because we literally only saw her screaming at her husband. And I don't, and then then saying, why do bad things happen? It's like, you literally just spent 10 minutes uncontrollably screaming at a person like why do you think why do you think he treats you like that why do you think you get what you get out of it so i don't know it's definitely someone who just needs to take a look in the mirror before they start like going after other people 
Right. Um, I went with Bilal for the rant that we went on, just, you know, dragging his feet with this whole thing. And I mean, maybe we're assuming a lot on his part, but... You know, it's like if you don't want to have kids now, it's kind. it reminds me of Tanya and Sinjin. It's like, Mm. are you ever going to want to have kids? Because look at Sinjin. He never changed his mind. No. You know, so Bilal, are you going to really feel differently in two years time? That's even a little bit different because I feel like Sinjin and we now know as things have gone on, things like Sinjin's a real shithead. But like. (laughs) Like he never, he always said, I don't know, maybe I'll feel differently later. I can't tell you what I'm going to feel in the future. Right. Whereas Bilal Mm -hmm. is like, no, no, eventually I want kids. Eventually I want more kids. And I don't think he does. Yeah, because it's like, well, you're assuming that you'll eventually want more kids. But what if that never happens? Right. Right. What if it always feels like right now? Exactly. Right. Yeah. Okay. What about your life lesson? So, um, (sighs) Use better lighting. Like, that really drove me <laughs> crazy in Ed and Liz, especially when we're talking about a photographer thing. Like, mm-hmm. their scene was so dark. I couldn't oh, see what anybody looked like or was saying. And I was like, this is a professional show. And, and we know he has the portable lights to light up the right. camera thing. Can we not have these lights up somewhere? I kept thinking that my app was crashing and I thought it yes. stopped because it kept on blacking out. And I was like, what's happening? So, yes, use better lighting. <laughs> yeah, my life lesson uh, kind of goes to Kim and Usman, but at the same time, it probably could apply to some other couples. Uh, pretending to be something you're not in order to win someone over is just going to bite you in the ass if you end up being with this person long term because that's not who you are and yeah. it's not what you think. And so it's just like, but you know, you can't blame the other person for holding you to it because that's what you're pretending to be. Well, we said that you said that like from the oh, very beginning, like the beginning of mm-hmm. Kim from last season. She was like, oh, this is the woman who's trying to be the cool girlfriend. Yes, right? she was. Yep. I'm, I'm the, the cool, cool girlfriend girl. that's willing to have a second light. That was, was yeah. willing to, for you to have a second light. And she was never that. That was never how no. she was. And this is where this is where that ends. Right. Exactly. Right. Starting to bite her in the ass. Sure. All right, so uh, we will see this group next week. In addition to Yara and Jovi, we didn't see them this week, but it looks like next week uh, Yara finds out that Russia has invaded Ukraine. And so, uh, you know, we kind of see it uh, from her perspective, like what's happening. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, yep. Uh, yeah, until then. All right, see you everybody then. All right. Okay. Bye. Bye.